brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, the horror movie podcast for the casually obsessed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And this week we invite you back to the summer of 1985. Six years after the three-mile accident nuclear scare in the United States, less than 12 months before the Chernobyl disaster, and the same summer that Dr. Pepper launched the greatest ad campaign of all time, tying in with Godzilla 1985. John showed me that commercial before we sat down to watch Godzilla, and it was the highlight of my life. Yeah, we watched a few of them, actually. Did you know that there is a Dr. Pepper commercial with a lady Godzilla? Who Godzilla, She's a bow! Yeah, she has a bow. Godzilla tries to give her a tree, pulls it out of the ground, like, here, honey, would you like some flowers? She's like, I don't want no fucking flowers. And she <laughs> smacks it out of his hand. But uh, when he pulls a giant... Diet Dr. Pepper. Why did it have to be diet, though? (laughs) Why it gotta be diet? (laughs) What What if Lady Godzilla wants that full sugar? Exactly. Yeah, honestly, diet Dr. Pepper. Insulting. I'm all for Coke Zero. Diet Dr. Pepper has not satisfied the way Dr. Pepper always has. It's just not. It's like diet ginger ale. It just doesn't work. Needs that burn. But believe it or not, we're not here to talk about Dr. Pepper today. We're here to talk about motherfucking Godzilla. And uh, this one's a weird one, because specifically we're talking about Godzilla 1985, which is an Americanized re-edit of Return of Godzilla, which came out in 1984 in Japan. So it's kind of the same movie, but with a bunch of other American bullshit tossed in. Yeah, there's a lot of just lone scenes with Americans that feel not necessarily connected with the story and I'm 100% sure that a lot of the Americanized dubbing is for the sake of the added plot. Absolutely. You're like, I don't believe these characters are consulting the Americans this much. <laughs> I mean, the Americans are in Return of Godzilla, but the other thing you're not seeing are the scenes where th- that they cut out, sort of criticizing America a little bit. Um, for instance, there's there's a moment... For being so quick to nuke. <laughs> Kind of. There's a moment where the Russians uh, launch a nuclear bomb from a nuclear satellite in space. and the, Which was easy enough to hit by just, like, a button. There was no passcode. There was no double there's key There's no two-key, yeah, no two-key <laughs> system. Uh, but when the Americans find out about it, they're like, oh, that violates the Geneva Convention or whatever <laughs> sort, of, sort of fucking peace treaty they have regarding uh, nuclear bombs. Uh, now, later in the movie, that's that, that nuclear bomb does not blow up Tokyo. It's taken out by a counter-missile from the Americans in the return of Godzilla, that countermissile is fired by an American space satellite. Oh. So also 
violating whatever protocols they have, which clearly not in the Return of the Godzilla movie. Like, the Americans are there to more or less have that sort of uh, meeting between Russia, Japan, and America, but after that, it's kind of, they're just kind of on the fringes. They're really not in the movie. But it it's it's such a, it, it makes for a unique Godzilla situation. You know, I'm glad you know about both, because I'm expecting highlights throughout this episode of what's different, and just how the American, I, I guess you can't even call it a remake, how the American edition right? yeah. differs from the original. It's weird. It's so strange. And the other thing, the other thing that's really cool about both of these movies is that it is an early uh, uh, legacy sequel because they are direct sequels to the original Godzilla. Return of the Godzilla is a direct sequel to Godzilla 1954. Yeah, it's been 30 years since we've seen Godzilla. So exactly. that's kind of what we're going on. Like Godzilla was, he was an urban legend and then he attacked uh, in 1954. Four, thank you. <laughs> Unless you're watching the American versions, he attacked in 1956 because that's when the American movie came Honestly, out. Honestly, <laughs> I had no idea you knew so much about Godzilla, but I'm real proud of you. This Godzilla 1985 was my first Godzilla movie. Okay, so it's been 30 years since Godzilla first washed ashore. <laughs> yes, exactly. And he, he's been um, hibernating, I guess. Uh, he was in a rock in the ocean. He's hanging out until everybody, uh, until everybody started fucking around with nuclear. Oh stuff yeah, anymore, he was just right? biding his time until he was mad again. Yeah, because in the original, he's showing up more or less as a response to the nuclear bombs. Uh, now we're at a point where, in you know, 1984, we're at a point where we're starting to become very worried about nuclear power plants and the fail-safes that do or don't exist, depending on who you ask. Very true. Okay, so Godzilla 1985, one, really hard to find. Um, so if you haven't watched it in a while or you haven't seen it, there's a little, little place on the internet called the Internet Archive. You might want to look there. Might. Might. Want yeah. No, there is there. absolutely, <laughs> at the time of recording, there is a VHS rip of Godzilla 1985 from New World Pictures. It does not contain the short film Godzilla Meets Bambi. So you have to watch that first on YouTube. Gotta watch that yourself on YouTube. It's baked into the, the VHSs. Like, it's the first thing you see when you put the tape in. But yes, notoriously hard to find movie. It's not exactly streaming anywhere. Uh, not a whole lot of demand out there for it to get a Blu-ray release or anything, but if you don't own a VHS copy of this movie, you can watch it on the Internet Archive. Yeah, and you can't legally... Uh, you, there's nowhere you can stream it or rent it. We tried. We watched. We looked. So we've done our due diligence there. Okay, so, like I was saying, Godzilla 1985, we've all watched it now. Um, why this one? Why is this the one we're covering on the podcast? Not just because it's the summer of 1985, but of all the Godzillas. Give me three good things as to why we're watching Godzilla 1985. Okay, well, outside of the fact that the whole idea of this double feature was that we were going back in time to 1985 to watch two movies you might have seen at the drive-in together. Thematically, surprisingly similar. They all have big explosions. They all involve the government doing dumb government shit. But mostly, just a good night at the movies in, you know, August or July of 1985 three good things number one fully functional close-ups of godzilla's face he like bears his teeth his lips move he blinks like we get a lot of reaction shots from yeah. godzilla in this movie he's got some emotions he motes with those eyes yeah i think they constructed a 16 foot 
like hydraulic Godzilla head for those close-up shots. They're completely separate from the the suit actor that you see throughout the rest of the movie. That's pretty cool. That's like in Labyrinth where they made, you know, the Hoggle puppet. Like they had somebody acting out Hoggle, but there was a whole animatronic face. And so somebody was controlling the face movements. Yeah. And seeing the puppet in like the behind the scenes was so intense because like the blinking and the eyes moving and everything. He looks like a real person. Yeah, exactly. What about number two? What do you got? Oh, do, am I doing all three here? Well, I was going to say Dr. Pepper product placement, but you kind of led with Dr. Pepper. So I was like, well, there goes my good thing. No, I think I think that's a great number two. And that's just, that's another good reason to watch this movie. You can see a Godzilla movie in here, but then you can also see America taking yes. it over. And surprise, surprise, they loaded it with product placement. Yes. So I, I can't remember what the other one was, but there was blatant. Dr. Pepper. There was Dr. Pepper drinking in, like, the war room. Yes. Um, And there was another one. Fuck. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but America added, like, 13 minutes of footage, and six minutes of that has Dr. Pepper placement in it. <laughs> Freaking crazy. Good thing number three, like, I don't know how specific we gotta get into it, but I mean, like, it's a motherfucking Godzilla movie. Like, we do, I'd say one of the things I really like about this movie are uh, the close-up shots of the feet. Like, I love seeing a big you old Godzilla You can't do close-up Godzilla shots foot. of face and close-up shots of feet, but I, I hear you. A monster movie is a point ahead of its own. Yeah, and I mean, you, you always see Godzilla charging up. Not always, but I mean... It, okay, this is this is maybe the real one, right? Is that it's a return to serious, scary Godzilla. A decade of goofy, you know, Godzilla fighting space alien movies came before this. We all love them. They're all they're all super fun, but they're a little silly. They're a little cartoonish, and now we're back into like a serious territory where Godzilla becomes isn't... a warning again. Yeah, and he's not the hero who saves the day. He's like a beacon of of disaster that we've brought upon ourselves. Which is actually super fitting and timely because the original Godzilla was kind of, you know, right on the heels of what Japan experienced with Hiroshima. And this one is coming right around the Cold War. And you're just like, hmm. Yeah. How fitting that Godzilla is being, I guess, reused for his original purpose. Oh, totally. it happens all the time. And like the the three mile, you know, the, the three mile island accident was like no one died. It could have been a whole hell of a lot worse. But like, you know, we almost had a nuclear meltdown in Pennsylvania in the middle of America. That could have been a fucking nightmare. What was this? Oh, uh, it's, it's 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 basically like imagine like Chernobyl, but they caught it real quick and they got it to turn off like they had partial meltdown downs in two reactors i think um in pennsylvania's local you know nuclear power plant i'm not an expert on it so i'm sorry but three mile island incident is something that comes up all the fucking time uh chernobyl happens the next year so like it's crazy that chernobyl hasn't even happened yet at this point because just like for us that's our modern day like that's our our nuclear scare that's the one that we all kind of know of and are most familiar with Mm -hmm. and it's it's not even nuclear in the sense of like nuclear being used for war that that was nuclear being used for power yeah yeah um which is still like man's folly. So it's crazy. Yeah. Just like you put it in the hands of people who don't understand it. Like maybe we shouldn't be touching it, period. But, you know, <laughs> um, it's a power that maybe we shouldn't have, you know. Uh, and t- to go even further than that, there's a nuclear disaster in Japan in 1999, a year after the, the American Godzilla movie came out. Shin Godzilla came out in 2014, which is only, I think, three years after the Fukushima power plant 
fucking went crazy. Like, Godzilla and nuclear problems have been making handshake agreements throughout the decades. Okay, so everyone, keep an eye on the Godzilla movies coming out. As long as they're not bleak, we're doing okay. There's a the Godzilla- second there's a bleak Godzilla coming out, like, fucking get under your desks. <laughs> yeah, there's, there is a, another Godzilla movie slated for this year or next year, I think. It's untitled right now. Toho's working on it, but, like, who knows? Maybe we're all about to... Maybe there's a power plant out there that's ready to fucking go. We don't even know about it. I mean, Russian tensions are at their highest, so... Yeah, that's true. Goddamn. Okay, well, we're gonna throw to a really shitty American trailer for a not awful, but a questionable American re-edit of an okay Japanese Godzilla (laughs) movie. And when we get back, we're gonna get into Godzilla 1985. In 1956, he first appeared on motion picture screens across the country. His impact on audiences was instantaneous and unprecedented. His acting technique was revolutionary. His presence, overwhelming. He possessed more raw talent than any performer of his generation. He soon became an international legend, a giant who took the world by storm. Then, suddenly, at the height of his fame, he retired from motion pictures. Now, he is back, and he's more magnificent, more glamorous, more devastating than ever. Prepare yourself. The greatest star of all has returned. Godzilla 1985. Coming soon to a theater near you. Godzilla 1985 is currently sitting at a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb, a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Now, for reference, just in case anybody's curious, The Return of Godzilla, the original version of this movie, is sitting at a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, an audience rating of 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is there not enough critics on that one? No, there's like nothing. And a 3.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. It wasn't a huge success in Japan. I mean, people went to go see it. I did read that apparently there was some sort of fucking committee for the resurrection of Godzilla because there just hadn't been a Godzilla movie in a long time and audiences were like, we want fucking Godzilla, goddammit! Um, but yeah, it, it, was, it didn't, wasn't the blockbuster they were expecting it to be. And it partly be it's got to partly be because that uh, everybody had kind of come to love the goofy Godzilla who fights you know reptiles from space that have been turned into cyborgs by aliens honestly it's a little bit of optimism in such a bleak world when you know you have Godzilla in your corner yeah that's always nice if no matter how bad things get we've always got this big hulky boy who charges himself up and burns us all down <laughs> <laughs> like luring him out of the sea with fishes and you're like eat these fish now go kill that giant thing what did you, so what did you think of Godzilla 1985? Like, as a sort of like a Godzilla origin story, just as someone who, I don't think you'd seen this one. No, I really liked, I well, I liked it in, in the sense that it had the perfect amount of cheese. Yes. Um, and a tongue-in-cheek um, way of you know, kind of making fun of America and America doing it themselves. I don't know if they, <laughs> like, it was intentional. Like, it's just corny. <laughs> I know, just re-editing themselves to look like, to have such a good shining light in this global politics of a Godzilla attack. They're the fucking heroes of the story, and mostly they just hang out in the Pentagon and watch TV. Like, yeah. that's kind of all they do. <laughs> and drink Dr. Pepper. 
Oddly enough, though, some of the some of the insert scenes that the Americans shot look good. Like the the opening sequence is very similar to the original Godzilla, where you've got like a fishing boat that's out on the water, and then they encounter something that they don't know what's what. They all die, uh, except, except for one. Except for one in this movie. Very. Almost shot for shot, the same as the original Godzilla. But when we cut to the fucking like panicked eyes of Raymond Burr in America, which we it, there's, there's no reason for it. It doesn't make any sense in the movie, but it looks really good. There's also another great shot where a kid is playing with a Godzilla toy in America, which is crazy because this is this is supposed to only be the second time Godzilla's ever. Uh, you know, surfaced and been seen on land anywhere. Yeah, but, but a giant kaiju is, is proved to be real and you don't think kids 30 years later are going to be like, Mah. Well, I mean... It's a motherfucking kaiju. In uh, in America, they will be. That's like, like Zeus being proven to be real. 100% this was just because Hasbro was also trying to sell toys. That was definitely a model that was probably released in 1985. You're probably right. I think that's what my other product placement was, was the toy that You're they right. made for the film. It's gotta be it. But So this, this comes right after Godzilla has uh, sort of like made land for the first time and attacked a nuclear power plant. And the, like, the reveal on Godzilla is that we see his foot... And then we pan up from the foot and we see, like, how fucking tall he is. Like, this is one of the tallest Godzillas on record at the time. And when the kid is playing with his Godzilla toy, he accidentally bumps into the foot of a military sergeant. And then we do basically do the exact same shot from the foot up the leg to the the cold aviator glasses of some decorated officer who's looking for this kid's grandfather, Raymond Burr, who, I, I don't know if you know this, He's the journalist from the original American Godzilla. Oh. So, which is even funnier. Like, we should probably... Because his story in this, he's like, I survived the Godzilla attack 30 years ago. Yeah. And I'm going to be really pessimistic in the back of all of these American scenes. He provides no additional information. <laughs> they they seek him out. They send a helicopter. Like, we got to get fucking Steve Martin, I think is his character's name. We got to get Ray Burr here in the fucking war room. He's going to be the key to solving this whole thing. But he mostly just shows up to be like, I don't know. I don't think you guys can stop him. He's in unstoppable force they say when I met him only I survived <laughs> <laughs> the American like Godzilla King of the Monsters the 1956 Godzilla movie which was really the only version of Godzilla you could watch in North America for decades it took a very long time before any of us out here saw the original Godzilla uh, it's mostly just Scenes like it's it's almost like a Mystery Science Theater three thousand episode where the Godzilla movie's happening, but like Ray Bird, a film crew, are up there in front of the camera, like, "Oh my God, do you see what's happening here? Holy shit! How are we gonna get out of this alive?" <laughs> and before we go any further, I do need to ask you: Do you know who Raymond Burr is? No, you okay. keep saying it like it's a thing. Raymond Burr played Perry Mason on the show Perry Mason, which might become a new obsession of yours after you're finished Columbo. But most importantly, he's the murderer in Rear Wind. <gasps> Spoiler alert. <laughs> He's the suspected murderer in Rear Window. Spoiler alert for a fucking 70, 80-year-old movie. As I say, spoiler alert, Godzilla's got a cool tail. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Yeah, I like I like Raymond Burr. I like this dumb, goofy movie. I love all those shots where it's very clearly like rear projection and they're just being shot in front of a movie screen and they're just acting in front of the movie. It's like the earliest green screen technology to ever exist. And yeah, it is uh, really fun good. when the characters are like, ah, foot's coming. And they're running away from it. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like something you'd see on public access television for kids in the 70s, right? Okay, so we got to do the plot of this. We got to go through this movie because you know a lot about Godzilla high level. But for me, who I've maybe seen a smattering of Godzilla films, I have no idea what you're fucking talking about. Oh, I'm sorry. So let's talk about this goofy ass movie. Let's get a little less nerdy about this. Let's be <laughs> let's be casually obsessed. <laughs> let's let's simmer down over there, John. I'm excited. <laughs> I like this. You know movie. a lot about nuclear sadness. <laughs> okay, so you talked about the boat. The boat uh, had a bunch of dead people on it, except for one guy, and a journalist who happens to be like having a cool sailboating excursion finds this fishing boat and finds Ken, who's on the boat, surviving. Uh, and he's like, "This is gonna be great news," because Ken is like, "Hey, Godzilla's alive." Pretty sure I saw fucking Godzilla. It's also, when the, the reveal on everybody at that boat being dead is great. So good. I don't know how Ken survived. Yeah, because they got full on radiation poisoning. Yeah, they got hella crisped up. It's <laughs> it's like when uh, and he was in like a locker. <laughs> yeah, it's ve- it's very similar to that scene in Psycho where Marion Crane like turns like, oh hey, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Bates, nice to meet you. Oh God, your fucking eyes are gone and you're a mummy. Like that's practically the same reveal you get in this movie for somebody who uh, who went face to face with Godzilla. And so the journalist, uh, his name is Goro. He takes it back to his newspaper or whatever, and he's like, Godzilla's back. And they're like, we can't publish this. And he's like. Why not? <laughs> and they're like, because we can't. And so he's like, well, what do I do now? And somebody's like, just keep working on it, I guess. See if you can dig anything up. But they also point him toward a professor that he can talk to. Because the fact that Godzilla's back is the most open secret ever. Every character in this movie knows Godzilla's back. But no one's allowed to talk Except about it. Except for the, the general news. public. I guess that I guess, but it's it, it, like at every turn he keeps talking to people, and they're just like, "Yeah, no, it's crazy. Godzilla's back already." Like, why would the assistant to that scientist also know that Godzilla's? How the fuck does the professor know Godzilla's back? Like, they correct know. me if I'm wrong. They this just... is the following morning after that that Godzilla appearance. They just know. Maybe they have their own sonar radar on the water because they knew all along. Because the professor, his parents were killed by Godzilla. That's true. And uh, as the journalist, he comes to interrogate him. He's like, what are you doing over there? And the professor's like, working on genetic shit. And he's like... Oh, like Godzilla? (laughs) (laughs) Is that having to do with Godzilla? Also, I know Godzilla killed your parents, so are you bitter and shit? (laughs) (laughs) The actual quote from the movie. Uh, What a a great opening question for an interview. Like, so do you find that you're quite bitter because Godzilla killed your parents? Does that drive your scientific work? Not a great opening for uh, the team you're trying to assemble for the second half of the film. I know you're just trying to get your journalist scoop now, but uh, side story, you want to date his assistant. (laughs) You know, like just while we're here, like those are some other details that sort of get fleshed out a little better in the Japanese version. Yeah. Bitterness? (laughs) Lots of bitterness. Yeah. Just the, like the characters themselves are a little more complicated. They're more like real people instead of just, you know goofy idiots running around trying to survive a Godzilla attack. Uh, You know, from there, Ken... I mean, I feel like that's what it would be, though. Kinda. (laughs) But... Who has time for character development when you're about to get stepped on by a kaiju? I'll go ahead and say this. When it comes to the American kaiju-type movies, no one gives a fuck about the characters on the ground. Um, And that's kind of the sentiment we all say, like, no one cares about the humans, just show us the monsters fighting. And, like, I, I have also said that myself, but I... 
don't find it to be true about a lot of the the Japanese movies, or at least the the bigger Japanese movies, because when you have a genuine, strong story that involves these characters, it helps inform the monster a little better, and uh, I, I think actually makes the movie have a good story. Uh, and like they usually always relate the monster to it, you know, in in specific ways. That we don't get with American movies. American movies, the characters are just there to stumble into rooms to find to make reveals. Well, and America has a hero complex, so man oh, yeah. has to be the hero of the story. They have to save the day. They have to be the ones that like triumph over Godzilla or convince Godzilla to do something. We're definitely not to... here to learn anything from Godzilla. Well, and it's definitely not, yeah, it's definitely not to heed a warning. <laughs> yes, in the Japanese version, like this is don't get me wrong, this is this is small detail, and like there's lots of small details that just sort of get snipped. Just tiny little story beats that fell by the wayside once, you know, they got to the editing room in America. Goro, the journalist, sweet talks the professor's assistant, Naoko. Her brother, Ken, is the survivor of that ship attack at the beginning of the movie. But right now, her and the general public just know that the boat's missing. Probably presumed dead. It's not often you re-find a boat and everybody's on it all safe. He no immediately a ghost. That's, um, that's the rule. Ghost ship. That's <laughs> yeah. You 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 sign that agreement when you become a sailor. Uh, it could happen. It might happen. It will happen. At least a thousand years servitude. Oh, so I hear. <laughs> damn. In an effort to sort of get more info for his story to get published at his newspaper, basically let slip that her brother's still alive. He's not supposed to say anything to anybody about it, but he says that and follows her for the reunion. And in the Japanese version, during this, like, embrace where she's like, oh, my God, I didn't know you were, I didn't know you were alive. I'm so happy to see you. He snaps a photo of the two of them, (gasps) and she doesn't like that because she realizes that he just used her to get this moment. It wasn't that he was letting her know her brother's alive out of the goodness of his own heart. It was, like, a journalist tactic. Yeah, and, like, he also takes the way to that moment as well because he's realizing that he's, he's being very selfish in his, you know, pursuit for his his job. Uh, it has nothing, he's not doing anything for her specifically. And, you know, so that they start at a much more complicated place before they become love interests by the end of the movie. Yeah, because it's such a funny opening when she actually meets him. He's just, like, asking her questions, and she's like, I don't like nosy journalists. And then cut to them, like, strolling under the stars on their yeah. very first date. Yes, yeah, <laughs> literally, like, actual hard cut to them <laughs> hanging out on the streets of Tokyo. That was one of my favorite moments. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, so we've got our main cast of characters. We you know we got the professor, we've got the brother, we've got the sister, and we've got the journalist who has a wavering moral compass. And we've also got Godzilla, who attacks a Russian submarine. Yeah, the Russians and the Americans in the Japanese version are equally unmatched against Godzilla, but pff, as far as not Godzilla 1985 would have you concerned, the Americans got this, bro. No big deal. Well, so immediately, though, because this is just how global policy works, Russia doesn't know who took down their submarine, um, but they know it was like advanced and it was... It was swift. So they get their nuclear, nuclears armed. They arm their nuclear whatevers. (laughs) And then America's like, well, we don't like that. So they arm their nuclear whatevers. And then Japan's like, fuck, guys, stop. 
<laughs> that is such a great scene. I, I love that scene because they're the leaders of those three countries are all getting together to figure out what the fuck to do about this Godzilla problem. Uh, you know, Godzilla is back. We all thought he was gone. He poses a threat to all of us. Russia's taking it a little more personally because they're a little bit closer to Japan than America is. But both America and Russia, surprise, surprise, are very adamant about them blowing it the fuck <laughs> Up. But also in a way that I don't know would be true to life in a scenario like this. Japan is like, no, we own Godzilla. He's ours, and you guys can't use nukes on him. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't. Think and it's... America and Russia are like, okay, sounds fair. <laughs> this is like a diplomacy by Kim. Okay, I like that conversation more because Japan restates. The fact that they've made a promise to the world, and especially themselves, to never make nuclear weapons, uh, to never possess nuclear weapons, and to never allow the use of them. Now, because Godzilla is in Japanese territory, they would need Japan's approval in order to to use nuclear weapons period. And they're just saying steadfastly, that is not something we do. That is not a line we cross because we are better than you guys. (laughs) I fucking love that scene. I think it's great. Because even in the face of this giant monster who has destroyed their country before, uh, who has only once before, because this is a direct sequel, uh, who is currently destroying their nuclear power plants and is maybe making a beeline toward Tokyo, they're saying absolutely fucking not because it's a it's a guaranteed win if they if they drop a nuke on Godzilla it's probably gonna I should maybe shouldn't say guaranteed but it's like 99% guaranteed win that it'll destroy him yeah but they have they would have to get him out far enough into the water that it wouldn't kill Japanese citizens yeah exactly yeah but it's even then or give their children cancer (laughs) even then they're saying no because clearly this is a power that we should not be wielding And that's rad. Well, and also, too, this has always been kind of my issue with Godzilla. And I know know he's a nuisance. I know he has a really big tail and he has huge feet. (laughs) But those are the two. He's he's a nuisance. He's got a big tail and huge feet. I mean, oh. But so the first time we see Godzilla in this movie, like on land, he just surfaces to go get some num-nums from the nuclear power plant. Yeah, literally pulls the fucking reactor out. (laughs) He charges up his super spikes and then he goes back into the water. I don't know why he goes inland he he does eventually go inland and kill a lot of people uh, but he i don't think there's vitriol in it it's not until they start shooting at him that he's like fuck you and your little weird advanced ship your problem is that we should just leave him alone kind of okay the professor has such a great tool so he's like so get this guys godzilla is like birds and birds <laughs> Make sounds. Okay. And Godzilla likes those sounds. So why aren't they just let it, like, constantly leading him out to water? Like he comes back, he eats a nuclear reactor, and then they turn on some bird sounds and he goes back to the sea. And everybody lives peacefully. Oh, I love that we just need like a white noise machine. We just we just need to give him a snack. Like some warm milk. I mean, Godzilla's warm milk, nuclear reactor, and then tuck him into bed. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of great. Like, you could lure Godzilla with the bird sounds to Chernobyl, and he could fix that shit up, because right now we just have it buried under dirt. Oh, you're saying that we should be utilizing Godzilla to clean up nuclear messes. He's like, the reactor crew. starts to me- melt down. We're like, hey, bud, need you to suck this one up for we us. We wake him up, bird sounds to the reactor, he cleans it up. We give him a hard hat, because that's so cute. <laughs> and, and, you know, we're worried about him. Like, we don't want anything to fall in. <laughs> <laughs> and he's nice and hungry and then he goes back to the sea 
what do you what do you do once you run out of the nuclear stuff though like is he just isn't he gonna constantly just look for it like once he's awake so you're saying no, no what like what is nuclear power made of water <laughs> i don't know <laughs> can't they just we just keep making it enriched uranium i don't know man oh, fuck <laughs> <laughs> well he might just like electricity he might settle for some solar Wow. I lo- okay, I love the long journey here where it's just like, okay, we just we just got to like feed him what he's asking for. We'll use it to our benefit. We'll save some lives and then slowly over the course of 50 years, you know, we'll all sign a document that we'll all totally stick to where we'll, we'll, move, turn- to we'll, we'll move to renewable resources <laughs> for the Godzilla monster. And won't that make him happy because he's like an environmental warning. He's like, "Look what you fucking did. You played with fire and now you have a Godzilla." He might be like, "Wind?" I could fuck with this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's how it works. I think it's like a, I'm... Nobody's tried to reason with Godzilla. I think this you know is what? a new I'll g- strategy. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It's it's worth trying at the very least for the sake of a future generation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love how you just... You're nitpicky about all that, but you're totally fine to be like, yeah, and because Godzilla's like a bird, they use a te- they use a technology that, you know, navigates them like a bird. That is such a silly part of this movie. That's great. I love it. Uh, but when he's at the nuclear power plant, the professor sees him uh, following birds. Like, birds are, birds are actually maybe possibly what led him to the nuclear plant. Honestly, I think it's kind of smart, though, because if Godzilla is like a, a land-to-water creature, he's technically an amphibian, I guess. Okay. Birds always go out to sea. Yeah, well, they're definitely gulls that lead them there. Yeah. So he follows, he like he, he follows the mainland and he follows them out to sea. And so I think he's that's like the tide, smart. like he's just like the garbage tide that shows up in New Jersey or something. The nuclear tide. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, uh, just to like smooth that over so we can talk about the ending in a little more detail. Yeah, the birds have a frequency that Godzilla follows. <laughs> I think I explained it well. Godzilla, like a bird, birds like to make sounds. Godzilla follows the sounds. Well, you you missed you skipped over the part where they talk about how silly that is. But the professor, or maybe it's maybe it's uh, Goro, the journalist, talks about how. Uh, well, I mean, dinosaurs were very very similar to birds. And it makes sense that this Godzilla monster would also be similar to birds, which is... (laughs) (laughs) No theorizing. (laughs) But, you know, to the movie's credit, this is... I don't know, 20, 30 years before that becomes a universally accepted uh, theory. uh, Yeah, because I bet they didn't even know that dinosaurs have feathers. Well, it, which it, we all know now, but we're we're still not drawing them like we that. don't like. They're not scary. <laughs> I mean, as far as American cinema's going, no, no, not no, thank you. But I mean, it, I'll say that like a fucking eighty foot bird like pecking at you like a T Rex. That does kind of. Can you terrifying. imagine a bird with teeth? <laughs> In Jurassic Park, they do acknowledge that theory, but that's as far as they're willing to go. Like, what have you, what have you heard about this theory about the about the birds? Like, yeah, no, that's pretty popular. Anyway, so about this scary reptile that's uh, huge and back <laughs> we, from the dead. We genetically modified them to be cool still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot harder to animate feathers. That's pretty. That's probably all it really that's came true. down to. Um, but yes, Godzilla, like a dinosaur, also like a bird. Uh, they do, they use ultrasound to take photos of really, his brain. Really, really, really resisting singing Nelly Furtado right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a bird, but also like a sore. <laughs> a dinosaur. <laughs> 
they decide the best way to get rid of Godzilla is to throw him into a fucking volcano. Isn't that incredible? I hate it. Do you? Yes. But it's I like, hate it. But it's like how we used to sacrifice all of our cool virgins. <laughs> Come on. Oh, Godzilla is a virgin. Oh, he'll never experience love. <laughs> But so this is why I always get mad because the scientist, I keep calling him a scientist because he's doing science. Well, I mean, yeah, you can. Yeah, there you go. I was going to (laughs) say. Okay, so the professor, it's because everybody calls him the professor, even like the Americans who are in their war room miles and miles and miles. The professor's got a good plan, (laughs) but we'll see about that. He's like. Oh, the sound thing's great. We can we can lure him to the volcano. And they're like, we're going to kill him in the volcano? And he'll be like, oh, nothing kills him. But it's worth a shot. Why does he want to kill Godzilla? Like, science should always be for science and not for humanity. Don't you agree? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That seems like a slippery slope to like getting the getting the AI to take over humanity. Like, oh, it's for science. You gotta you gotta you know you gotta put humanity out the window for science. <laughs> exactly. I mean, corporations can do it. Why can't science? I think the the reason corporations do it is why we shouldn't do it with science. I mean, like, to I, I I get what you're saying. Maybe the best way to say it is that science should be devoid of politics. How's that sound? Yeah. Well, and also that's always my problem with these types of movies. And maybe that's the point is that we don't try to understand anything. And and maybe that's kind of what the the warning of Godzilla is is that yeah. we see something that we don't understand and that we're immediately afraid of, and we just decide that we're going to nuke it. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, that's what I didn't like about the Meg movie that came out a few years ago. And oh, I hope sure. they rectify with the one coming out this summer. Oh, or at least I, or at mm. least touch on the fact that they were all scientists who unearthed this should have been extinct creature. And, and they, they were all immediately, the <laughs> immediately like, kill it. <laughs> it's a shark in its habitat. Doing its thing. Yeah. No, no, I get it. It's um, existed all these years. Let it trench it up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's what makes King Kong so sad in these new American movies. Like they got him in a fucking biodome, and he's just like, "This is bullshit, man. I just want to hang out underground in the hollow earth." I would say that the science characters, the scientist characters in these Godzilla movies, um, agree with you, but there's not really a whole lot they can do. Like the government is like, "Well, we need to ki- we need to stop it well, from yeah, hitting land." They're obviously going to be on a finite timeline before the U.S. and Russia are like, "You haven't done anything, so we're nuking you." Yeah. Well, and also the only reason we ever come to a situation where we have a solution for Godzilla is because while everybody is bickering about whether or not to press the fucking button, the cute young girl who's been running across Japan the, saves the, the day. She saves the day because everybody's out there researching this fucking monster like they're in tokyo dangerously high on a skyscraper testing out their bird frequency theory knowing full well that his tail could whip the building and they'd die any minute right mm-hmm. yeah and it's because of the the scientific testing that they're doing that they're actually able to lure him toward the volcano which they uh you know do instead of dropping nukes uh, in an effort to stop polluting the fucking world with radiation. Yeah, like I will say they're using a natural resource yeah. and a natural phenomenon. Like that's kind of an even match for Godzilla because technically Godzilla is, he's an unnatural phenomenon, but based on, you know, Science? he's a force of nature, I <laughs> okay, guess. Yeah. And volcanoes are a force of nature. But also the fact that the professor's like, 
Godzilla really can't die, though. We're just going to, like, put him to bed until the next sequel. Yeah, he's like Frankenstein so, in the Universal Monster yeah. movies. He's going to go, he's going to get encased in some fucking molten lava. He's going to have a nap, and whenever he needs to come back, he'll crack the shell and, and head back out. Yeah, and I think he, he came back long enough that everybody's like, oh, nukes aren't good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he can go to his little volcano nap and be okay. So I'm going to sleep soundly that I know Godzilla's not dead. Yeah. Godzilla's never dead, but no. the, the the scientist, the professor scientist, he knows he's not dead. He knows he's not dead. That's I, why he agreed to give everybody his bird sound secret. I will go <laughs> I will go ahead and say that like blowing up of you know detonating a whole bunch of bombs inside a volcano, who who fucking knows? Like, as much as radiating the goddamn ocean is definitely also not a good idea. Uh, who knows what kind of consequences could come from dropping like, a bunch of bombs in a volcano. Maybe let's not fuck with fault lines. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Just like, surprise, surprise, all of a sudden the earthquakes become a huge problem and that's where the real monsters crawl out of the cracks. Yeah, like you thought Godzilla was wrong. Wait till you see Fireman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the mole people, yeah. We didn't, talk a, we didn't talk a whole lot about Godzilla just sort of tromping through Tokyo. I really like how it looks. I love that they build a... Uh, like a jet plane that's made of platinum and titanium. It's heat resistant so it can withstand Godzilla. And they're literally like fighting through a building. Like they're just like, they shoot a hole through a building so they can get at Godzilla. I love the building fight. You son of a bitch. What are you doing over there? (laughs) Yeah, they do fight through a hole in a building, which is great. And it's so weird because I I know you mentioned that the score is different for the original, the Japanese version. They give that ship, that weird like titanium ship, such a hero's score. Yeah. And you're like, what are you doing shooting in Godzilla's mouth he hates that and then they like put him to sleep <laughs> yeah not only do they use a completely different score for the movie some of it's just pulled from like other movies and tv shows I was really mad that we didn't get no like that doesn't actually show up as often as you might think uh what am I talking about I think it's around a lot but yeah no it's not in there and it's like, sorely missed <laughs> He didn't have no baritone. <laughs> <laughs> None. I, I I love those sequences where he's he's tromping through Tokyo, tearing shit up. There's a guy going around. Like I think he's homeless. He's looting the the city because it's evacuated more or less. And he's just eating in fine dining establishments, stealing stuff that he thinks looks cool. Talking right to Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, getting real mad at Godzilla. Like this is my town, man. What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, they don't show him getting stepped on, but I he totally I, I fully on. believe he was stepped on. I mean, same with the uh, same with. The the guy who's working at the nuclear power plant when Godzilla first shows up, he definitely gets stepped on because you hear him scream as as Godzilla's walking by, which is not in the Japanese remake, <gasps> or the Japanese original. That's Just that, throw a little Wilhelm in there. Yeah, right? Like, the, the Americans are like, let's put some ADR on this. This will be great. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like some of the details are, are interesting. Some of them are weird choices. A lot of the differences are just in the editing. Like, certain scenes happen earlier in the movie. Like, they completely reshuffle the movie, which honestly doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I guess it was just personal preference. They're like, nah, we should have this happen before this and this happen before that. But I think the I think the order of those scenes is better in the Japanese version. I'll say that the funniest thing about the whole Americanization of all of it is that Raymond Burr uh, had like a set schedule that he was supposed to shoot for and then just decided, nah, we're going to do this all in one day. You're going to do everything that I'm like every scene that I'm in in this movie today. Wow. And I'm not working more than eight hours. Like it's like one short day. They shot him out. To be honest, though, he was in way more scenes than he needed to be. And there's probably only 10 seconds of unused footage that they got with Raymond Burr that day. There's no reaction shots of other other characters in the scene with him like there's the occasional like there's like one shot of him with some cranky old uh you know american 
general general guy uh, one shot at the end where they're all together there's no dialogue in that scene for a very specific for a very obvious reason but yeah for the most part it's 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 kind of like any grindhouse movie from the 80s that america would have made uh you know you've got your big star you shoot out a whole bunch of garbage with him and then you shoot some reaction scenes around it to make it look like everybody's there with him on the day hmm I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing, just because this is the first uh, Godzilla movie. I almost said Dracula. Uh, this is the first <laughs> Godzilla movie that I watched. I really like it. I, I, and I know that it's not good. I like the cheesiness of it. As a kid, I thought it was the greatest Godzilla movie ever, just because I hadn't seen a whole lot of them. Uh, as an adult, I appreciate how cheesy and, I don't know if campy is the right word for it, but like it, it has a so bad it's good quality, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because... Other parts of it are great Godzilla moments. It's the American stuff is fucking weird, and the Japanese stuff is all pretty damn good. Yeah, and it's also, too, like, considering this is technically in the American Godzillas, Mm. this is uh, one where Godzilla is still his same kind of, like, adorable, kooky soft curvy dinosaur looking self once he's he's made into the 1998 godzilla yeah. and then all the ones that have followed in in the thousands and and now godzilla is like so intense looking and he's just like really angular and angry and he's given all these like i don't know it's like He's given the Ferrari makeover before he was like a Volkswagen Beetle. You okay. know what I mean? <laughs> well, I, I did read uh, before we started recording that the designer of the Godzilla look, the suit, uh, tried to imbue sadness into the character by giving him like downturned eyes and a bit of a hunch and stuff. So like he's not here to wreak havoc and have a great day. It's like it's pain. I don't know if painful is the right word, but um, he's unhappy. He is unhappy. He doesn't want to be here. And none of what he's doing, he enjoys. Not even when he lifts up that fucking subway car and he looks directly into it at a whole it's bunch of people. Isn't that the fucking best? And when he just tosses it, you're like, like, nah, fuck this. <laughs> I got bored with these people. <laughs> Every single one of them die. Oh, it's great. Yeah, that, he fucked up that whole train. That suit weighed. Almost 300 pounds. It looks like it because he walks real fucking slow. Well, here's the other problem. It wasn't, so it was designed specifically for a suit actor who at the last minute dropped out of the movie. And then they got another actor who, who'd played Hedorah in some of the previous movies to to come in and, and act as Godzilla. But because the suit wasn't built for him, he could only be in it for like 10 minutes at a time. Wow. Yeah, so like they, they really had to shoot around it. He, he had a lot of back pain. He lost a lot of weight inside the suit. But uh, I think it looks great. <laughs> I, think, I think it looks really good. I think everybody did a good job. It's a it's a wild little oddity of a movie, and uh, would have been a killer movie to see at the drive-in Honestly, in 1985. Yes, the perfect amount of cheese for the drive-in. Yeah, I would have had so much fun watching this outside at night with a bunch of teenagers who were like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> yes, exactly. This is this is the kind of movie you want to watch at a drive-in. You either want to see skeletons with eyeballs popping out of the grave, ready to party, or you want to see big giant monsters shoot fucking laser beams at their mouths. Honestly, and you were talking about how the two films were similar, um, how they're kind of about like the the government and it's. Uh, lethal choices. Yes. <laughs> it's also about unkillable monsters. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. You are powerless against them. 
There's yeah. nothing you can do. And one comes from the earth and one comes from the sea. Oh, fuck. This is actually, I, I had, this turned out to yeah. be a very good double bill. <laughs> wow. And we were like, wow, poor Godzilla 1985 couldn't hold a candle to Return of the Living Dead. But here we are, accidentally thematically accurate. Okay, so uh, before we close out this, I have actually a fun fact for you. Oh. Um, remember when I was like giving you shit for having all your nuclear facts? Yes. I read something really cool that was actually kind of interesting in a godzilla way. I want to hear it. There's this new fungi. Oh fuck! Don't say this. That's growing around Chernobyl. Oh, I don't like. And this. it's growing closer to the reactor because it eats the radiation. Oh, this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like this I had guess, a happy ending. I wasn't expecting. It's like evolving to eat the radiation out of the soil. Now, what happens when the spores from that fungi hit the wind and travel southward to the next town? Do they? Okay, way to way to bring the news down, John. Do I, they maybe work their way into I the lungs no of idea. human beings and eat them from the inside? Is that a thing that we know about? yet <laughs> but I, I think they de whatever you call it deradiate I don't know what the, the term is for that I have no idea um, irradiate maybe irradiate yeah I have no but idea. honestly I hope the plantius termius uh-huh. for that fungi is related to Godzilla because it eats nuclear I love fallout this. yeah that sounds great wouldn't that be cool if it was like the the Godzillius mushroomius of the <laughs> Surely, I hope somebody tried to work that name in. Yeah, I hope so. That's exciting, though. Hopefully, it can do it on a large scale. Like, I don't know how impactful it is. It might just be, like, microscopically doing it. Yeah. And science is just like, look how fucking neat. Um, it'll grow. It'll, you know, it'll it'll thrive. And it, we're going to need something to re-terraform the Earth after we bomb it all down. That's hell. what I was thinking. That was <laughs> oh, like, oh, you were thinking about our no, ultimate destruction and how just, uh, maybe the Earth will come back one day? I was just thinking about how, like, neat it is when you think about life's want to exist and how yes. it can work around things like how cockroaches just won't die like if if earth if and when earth <laughs> does its thing again something's gonna come back because shit's resilient in such strange ways yeah no the earth will the earth will be here Godzilla will be the last just walking around looking so for his, looking, looking for his lady Godzilla and a Dr. Pepper while we're all just oh with her bow yeah does Godzilla ever get a girlfriend and in- in Godzilla movies? Like, is there ever another Godzilla or is he always alone? Oh, that's a great question. I don't really know. I mean, he does have a son. <laughs> he has a son. Yes. Godzilla's got a son, little baby Godzilla. Is it a, an immaculate conception son? Like, <laughs> I frankly don't really remember how it works. I think he is... Oh, is this from... So well, I think, if he's a reptile, it's an egg. So I think right? in Return of Return of Godzilla, which is the... Or Godzilla Strikes Again, Godzilla Rides Again. He falls again, from a star. I think he's like self-replicating. Like he's going off to make more Godzillas. Like he's, he's, a, he's a life form that uh, can... Self-replicated. self Yeah, okay. And uh, and there is... So I, I have not seen every Godzilla movie. Don't get me wrong. I'm the biggest Godzilla expert on the planet. Surely there's a whole bunch of people out there right now screaming at their, their you know... Like, of course he has a girlfriend! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it's Keegan, the one that came from space. No. Uh, yeah, he does have a son. It was a great movie. I think he should go out with Mothra. Oh, you know, they'd make us, they'd make a pretty sweet pair. Yeah. That's the, you know, that's like the, oh, it's the love that couldn't be. Like, it's the one that I'm got of, away. I'm of the sky and you're of the sea. It wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, Mothra's, Mothra's great. But yeah, there's there's a fun movie where he's like teaching the son of Godzilla how to fight. Like, you gotta get, you get back in there, man. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's really good stuff. Also, that pinball machine that I'm constantly like seeking out everywhere we go has clips from that movie in it. So it's got little baby Godzilla. Oh. 
I oh I remember that when your ball is saved. Yes, yeah, it's like because you're like, oh poor you, <laughs> <laughs> poor little Godzilla. Like, did you lose your ball too quick? Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> so Kim, how would you rate Godzilla 1985? Uh, I had a ton of fun with this, and it's. As we were saying, it's a great drive-in movie. It's a great summer movie. And I hope um, you guys took the time to watch it, because otherwise this episode probably made no sense. I mean, it's fucking Godzilla. How hard is it to follow? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 3 out of 4. Um, 3.5 out of 4. I, I definitely have a soft spot for this one. But I, I just like it. And yeah, it's it's just silly. It's silly in a way that other Godzilla, like for a serious Godzilla movie, like leave it up to the Americans to fucking make it a comedy (laughs) unintentionally. Honestly, now that we've watched this one, I really want to watch the 1998 one. Oh, where Godzilla's a girl and has babies. Uh, No, I was thinking purely for the product placement because we were eating Doritos while we watched this. And I was like, I'm pretty sure Godzilla had a big Dorito campaign. I think it's Doritos. And Taco Bell. Yeah, okay. So you remember the Taco Bell commercial. I remember going to get those fucking cups, the big plastic cups. Just being like, yeah, Godzilla. It's practically an I Love New York. It's 90 minutes of I Love New York. You know, it's it's like I love New York. I love Godzilla. I love Madison Square Gardens. Mountain Dew is all over that fucking movie. See, uh, and Mountain Dew and Doritos have been best friends forever. Yeah, they sure have. Why well, is Godzilla so big on product placement? It's just the American Godzilla movies. Like, it's just because Godzilla's so big. Can't get a bigger star than Godzilla. But there you have it. Three out of four from Kim. 3.5 out of four from me. Uh, But let us know what you thought of Godzilla 1985. Once again, you can find that at the Internet Archive. You can watch it. You may be able to. You may be able to find that. (laughs) And it's a VHS rip, so it has fun little, like, grains and stuff. It does have these weird bars on the side, but it's like you get the spine of the VHS sort of bookending the movie as you watch it. It's a little distracting, but after a while, you you, you you don't really notice it anymore. Uh, Let us know what you thought of Godzilla 1985 on Twitter at NOFSpodcast.com. In the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at nofspodcast.com slash discord. And while you're at it, please give the show a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this episode. It truly helps the show more than more than you think it does. You think like a silly little rating is not gonna do a whole lot, but it's the quickest, easiest way to support this show, which you were allowed to listen to for free, so you owe us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and if you need more episodes, you need more content to like keep you occupied at the gym or to keep you awake while you're driving to work, find us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash nightmare on film street or nofspodcast.com slash fiend club. We have a ton of bonus series there for you in exchange for your monthly pledge. We also have shirts if you want to grab a shirt because I always forget to plug them. Those are at store.nofspodcast.com. We'll be back again soon with another summer double feature. We're heading off into the 90s this time. It's going to be a real left turn. Uh, I dare you to predict the two movies we'll be talking about. But until then, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. (laughs) 